There we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh, see, I'm definitely getting negative marks from Jim for this. Full start. Full start. <laughs> anyway, so once again, Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Dave. How you doing? Jack, good, good, good to meet you. Doing all right. I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. It's always nice. I got what I expected. You know, what else can I say? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I, I, I've done I've done the post game recap a couple times on High and Wide, and it's always after a game where there's not much to say. <laughs> this was this was totally expected because this is the worst homestand in NHL history. See, I'm throwing around similar lines like that, like just the, this this team. It's why I'm so low on them. And Dave has billed me Captain Rebuild, and rightfully so. I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just. I, you know, for the last, I don't know, eight years, I've been on their, their kids are coming, they're turning it around, whatever it's, you know, and then after these like last few seasons, last year, COVID and all, whatever. Yeah. I just lost all confidence. Like, and I know they're injured. Like I'm not blind, you know, I'm not turning a, a blind eye to that on purpose just to be negative because I was positive for so long. And it's just like, I come in now and I don't even get upset when they get scored on. It's like, it's so expected. And I just see more of the same. God, I'd never seen them whiff on so many attempts and shots. And just this is one of the worst defensive teams here in Edmonton, and they could barely generate any real offense. Such a bad defensive (laughs) team. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, if if we had lost six to three, that makes sense. Which a lot of people picked that those similar scores, and they they get shut out. Hey, hey, for, for the record, the Gamblers guy picked the under, and we, and we hit the under tonight. Just, just letting you guys know. Oh, congratulations, Dave! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> parlays are always fun to hit. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, to get shut out at home by uh, arguably the you know, one of the worst defensive teams in, in the NHL was both shocking yet expected shocking yet expected that's the uh i, I feel like that's the uh that's the, the the whole instead of hashtag bring it to broad it should be hashtag shocking yet expected <laughs> that, should, that should be the flyers hashtag going forward oh my god it's i mean bring it to broad has any has any team had two bad hashtags back to back the last year's was if you remember was anytime anywhere which didn't, which made no sense, yeah, right? Because games are scheduled at a certain time at a certain location. <laughs> it wasn't like the Flyers ever just did a Mighty Ducks thing and just had like a, a one a.m. game, a.m. game, and beat up on the Jets. Never happened. It, it was, it should have been certain time, certain place. And then this year, bring it to Broad. I, I know we all got a little cocky. I was, I was like you, Jack. I was weirdly optimistic going into the season because we had uh, some additions to the team that I got very excited about because I watched our highlight reels. Like Rasmus was certainly exciting because he, if you if you condense his career into three minutes on YouTube, he seems like an all-time defenseman. <laughs> then if you watch three minutes of him actually out on the ice, he looks lost and you know, disaffected. If you just watch the three-minute highlight reel, he's the closest thing the Flyers have had to Chris Pronger since Chris Pronger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the closest thing to the NHL has had since Dan Ochara. If you watch that three-minute highlight reel, yeah. <laughs> it's not even like, how can you even really get upset anymore? Uh, and that's, but we do, right? I still get upset. 
you know, the, the first thing that I do is, is text all my flyers friends like, ah, oh, God damn it. Like we, we did it again, but they most, most texts come back either without a response or again, what did you expect? This is what happens with this team. It's seeing like lines on Twitter, just like, we're no like my favorite tonight was probably like we're no longer in the Minnesota Viking territory. We're now the Detroit Lions, and it really feels that way. Like losing the losing culture is just that's what we are now. There's no there's no excuses. Like this is just who we are, and it's 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 from what I grew up with. With and you know the '90s, Lindros, Leclerc, the Legion of Doom line followed that up when we added the Ronick those years, the Primos, and then after the lockout with the Carter, Richards, Bronger, all that. This. From I guess I want to say like 2015, 2014 to today, easily the worst era in Flyers hockey. And that's a long. It's just the, the years are getting longer and longer. You had that one anomaly year, the the COVID bubble where they were pretty good. I think we saw some kinks in the armor towards the end of that season. Unfortunately, we did. You remember yeah. that was a weird year there. Like the Lakers won the NBA playoffs, and, and, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, COVID. COVID got some champions that probably right, should. And, and I got friends that tell me, like, well, they made the playoffs twice under Hacksaw. I'm like, did you watch the playoffs? They got embarrassed by division rivals both times. Like, yeah. bad. You know, like, I think the Pittsburgh series went to game six, but when they lost, they lost, like, 5 nothing. Like, yeah. it wasn't even close. It was so horrible. And I just keep, keep waiting for everything to turn around, and it's just more the same. And now we're just – other outlets talk about us like where they used to like Toronto. I listened to a couple of Toronto podcasts and, and they're just like, flyers, please be relevant, please. It's the yeah. league is better when you're relevant. And I couldn't agree more. Like it's, and I, I, they're a team that like they were rebuilding right around the same time we were. And I just see where they're at and where we're at. And it's like, man, like when, when is something going to break our way, man? This is so, it's so hard to get behind this team. And I'm just any optimism I have for the future Dave, that's why I'm Captain Rebuild, man. Like, I'm just like, I can't do it. Well, we, we just went through a rebuild. We were supposed yeah, to just go through a rebuild. You can't you can't yeah. tell me go through another one again. I can't I can't take 15 years of rebuilding. I know. Right. We, like, can I say two things about Jack? Uh first, yeah. I, I don't know if uh, do you curse on this podcast at all? Or yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fuck Toronto. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't want to hear them talk shit about anything that is going on here in Philadelphia about our relevancy. All right, get through a fucking playoff round before you tell and, and don't waste some of the best players in the league at the prime of their careers. Because uh, uh, I actually, I went on a Toronto uh, radio station a couple, like a couple of months ago, to talk about the Flyers, and. Basically, you know, their FCC rules are different, but I can't say the word fuck like I can here. But the whole gen- <laughs> the whole the whole thing was like go to hell, Toronto. Like you you haven't won a cup since '67. So I, I'm not I'm not interested in your you talking about us being relevant. I know there's nothing else going on in your city now that your big fat crack addict mayor has died. But uh, like there's there's there, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not interested in your comments. Believe me, we have enough self hate without you projecting anything on us. And then the rebuild, Jack. The rebuild, like the, the the I know Sixers fans, which we're finally we're finally getting excited about the Sixers again. Got the process became kind of this funny word because you know we have Simmons who was part of the process, Fultz and and, and you know and Julia Okafor, who really didn't work out, but they finally figured it out. When you say rebuild, Jack, a rebuild means what? In, in terms of flyers culture, because we don't even have guys that we get upset that we're trading away or won't play for the flyers. We have 
Cam York, who's mildly exciting. We have Morgan Frost, who has been deemed not an NHL-worthy player. Wade Allison, who as soon as he steps outside, sprains an ankle. Like there's there's not there's not a rebuild here that's really meaningfully happened. You look at the Rangers. The Rangers, as much as I hate to praise the Rangers, um, they did it kind of better. They 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 brought up a, a young core of guys. Calgary's brought up a young core of guys, and they're playing really well together. Um, Carolina certainly has has put together a good team through the draft and and you know mining prospects. The rebuild here, it, it's 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 it wouldn't even be able to start until like 2028. We're kind of just this lousy team until I don't know when. I don't know what happens. Um, but to, to even even use that term rebuild because we we can't. There's not this young group of of gifted players that we can shift out the Van Reebsikes and the Couturiers for. Yeah. And I, I get a lot of flack and um, the way I look at it is it failed Dave, which is hundred percent true. And a lot of that, you know, they're And I'm, I'm not big on revisionist history. So all this, they, they were, they were going to take my car and you know, Hextall said, no, it was actually Heiskanen who we heard. Is that not Makar? It just makes the narrative worse, but Hextall <laughs> screwed it up. It is what it is. He didn't do enough when Drew was in his prime. And that's part of it too. When they were rebuilding then, or if you want to even call it that, because Hextall didn't do the full thing. He, he most meaningful player he traded away was probably Brandon Coburn. And then like three years later, Braden Shen, yeah. you know, and, it, and he was young, still young at the time. So that was just completely, you know, misdid that whole thing. So now we're all, and the Sixers don't necessarily help. They have only just recently got pretty good, but the whole rebuild thing, just, it scares everybody. And I get it. What I worry about is, and I understand the team's not going to do that. They're going to go forward next year. And I kind of, with the team they have now, they can do one more, mountain moving off season like they did last year and really try to go for it and hope everybody stays healthy. Um, I just don't know, even if they do that, I don't even know if they're a contender and I feel like we're kicking the can further down the road before we do have to start the rebuild. So where you say, I just went through one. I don't want to go through, I don't want to wait another six, seven years. Well, we might be the same team for a few more years and then start the rebuild. And then we are, my kid's going to be like in college and he was born last year. <laughs> I mean, like, and that's what scares me. And it's, it's, I think we're doing a little bit of both. There's, there's retool slash rebuild. Um, that's why you got to get what you can for Drew and Ristolainen and whatever. And you know, half yeah. of those assets, if not all, are going to go towards next year. I, I'm kind of on the train, depending on how low this pick is, that they take a guy. I, they, there's, they could take a center. There's some names out there, like a, a geeky, like he, he comes to mind. I haven't really dove into the serious, uh, the draft yet like i will like i have in the past but there's guys out there and um you know they're obviously going to do something in the off season every possible name has been floated uh but after next season if, it, if we have something similar to this season or we're nothing more than a playoff bubble team then what you know like when you're yeah. probably capped out on money and assets what's left and this, this draft is, of course, not nearly as exciting as the next year's draft because we have seemingly another generational player with Bedard, uh, which we're, we're not going to be able to draft even if we tank this year. And who knows how well they'll, they'll do next year. I, I, I could see next year being kind of a middling possible playoff team uh, based, based on the, the items that you know Chuck Fletcher, if he is still GM, which I don't believe he will be for much longer, uh, it puts together, you know, Ryan Ellis will come back and that's certainly a great addition to have back on your team, but 
he'll be what 34 at that point um i don't know this it's this team is I'm, I'm trying to think of another comparison like it's just it's not it's not anything to get excited about in terms of the future or the present <laughs> is that, is that really like that's the, that, that's the worst thing about being a flyers fan you know what like, that is that's purgatory. That's the it worst place purgatory. to be. Yeah. Yeah. It is. That's <laughs> the worst place to be, man. And it scares me because it's like it's, it's more of more of this, you know. It's it's and it's weird because we finally better. have we finally for years the Flyers had so much figured out, but then it was like, well, our goaltender sucks, <laughs> and now we have this. We have Carter Hart, who I think, as much as Giroux should be on the trading block, just let Carter Hart go. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, that would that would be ground rebuild. Well, oh, we man. we have this that monster guy over in in Russia. Let's uh, you know if 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 as long as he doesn't pledge to Putin, yeah. uh, let him come over and play. Uh, there's, but I, I I'm feeling worse for him. I know that there's a lot of Giroux sycophants both in in the Flyers fandom and on this network. I am not one of them. I don't care if he ever wins the Stanley Cup. Uh, but I do care about Carter Hart. And I'm so saddened by how we're fi- we have finally a number one goalkeeper. The first one we've had since Hextall. Uh, great great flyer. Worst flyer uh, uh, GM ever. Um, <laughs> that And we're just tanking his career. It, you know, we're we're ruining. I I can't even imagine how he looks his other teammates in the eyes. <laughs> that and the coaching staff and anybody at all, really. And I hear you. There. Yeah, can we talk about Mike O's shaved head? I it, it's so it, he looks like shit. Like and and usually a guy, when a guy like that, like kind of a you know who should be a tough guy, Mike Yo is kind of a tough name. Like if there's ever a Philly name that you ever heard, it's Mike Yo. And he, it's his stupid shaved head and seeing his press conferences just makes me so mad. I, f- I found it. I found these like irrational petty things to get upset about. And Mike Yo wasting a good shaved head, Jason Statham, Mark Messier style. is kind of pissing me off. <laughs> you said what, what else about... we have to complain about right now. <laughs> no, we can play that. We can play that a bunch of stuff. I actually want to uh, throw it back and just tell you how much I appreciate uh, you, Zach, for asking about if we could curse on this show early. Because we yeah. had Theo Flurry on at one point, and uh, he yeah. said fuck about 47 times. Oh, that's and like every 40, other word. And about 45 minutes in, he then goes, I don't know if you have a PG audience. And I was like, you know what? They are like, you know, not anymore. At this point, anybody that was PG has already signed off at this point. I could actually do a Theo because I've interviewed Theo myself. I can do a Theo impression. He just—he kind of sits like this. He's just—he's on his couch. He's like, "Fuck, man, fuck, yeah, I'm fucking, you know, we're some fucking tough guys, yeah, you know, fucking fuck, oh, fuck." That, that was that was, uh, and then God. my the guy, favorite part when we did it was when he was like, "He's like, give me if." Some fucking assistant coach came up my face and I made a fucking mistake with a fucking iPad. I break that fucking shit in some of his fucking ass. By the way, you have a PG audience, you know. I don't I don't know that PG audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Theo's a great interview. Oh, uh, he was sure. he was awesome, man. That's my yeah. yeah, that was fantastic. He's got some he's got some sort of loony opinions, but I, I, I think I understand why where they come from, like every institution that was supposed to supposed to support him let him down. 
Um, he was supposed to have, you know, not go through what he went through. So I get why he has no trust in the government whatsoever. But uh, he just, you know, sits at home and just spouts out kind of some nutty shit. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was awesome. He He's was great. Like, yeah. He's they, great. They, they were like, they're like, yeah, we have 45 minutes. I'm like, all right, sounds good. And then like we're an hour and 20 minutes into the show. He goes, oh, I have to be somewhere like right now. And it's a 20 minute drive. So I gotta go guys. Yeah. He always says all somewhere right, he's got to go. Yeah. Which, <laughs> all right. See you later. I know he's sober, but th- I, and I, I, I talked to Jim about this. Uh, we got into some of the weird, weird stuff that he did in New York. So he went to uh, literal underground bars because, you know, he, he, he's, he battled with sobriety for the, the crux of, for most of his career. And he's like, yeah, I was there with like trannies and midgets. <laughs> and he's like, he was just going to the weirdest shit in New York. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God bless you, th- Flurry, who should be a Hall of Famer, by the way. Oh, absolutely. There's no reason he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, he, he definitely burned some bridges with, with some people. But in terms of, like, stats and heart yeah, and championship. Straight up numbers, yeah. There. Yeah. I love him. He's a great guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah and he's, he's 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 actually, he's he's turned his weirdness into a lot of goodness because uh, I know people um, that are, you know, battling with addiction and everything that he's absolutely helped. Yeah, I absolutely. He's definitely making a difference. Definitely positive, and he, he's one of the characters in the league. Like, I don't think there's most hockey players. There's not a lot of personality sometimes. None. Right? There's like, like him and know, Brendan Shanahan, and that's about it. Yeah, like I wish we had more personality among hockey players across the league. Like, there's just you know everybody's so buttoned up and everything like that. I agree. Yeah, it's that's a really frustrating thing, and and I it's I, I saw uh, Connor McDavid get interviewed. Um, Connor McDavid should be an absolute superstar, right? Like, and he is with, within people who follow hockey closely, but he like baseball has the same problem. He like Mike Trout is very reticent to actually get out there and showcase his personality. And Jesus, when you think back to the eighties, I know Jack, you're like a nineties guy. And there was even a ton of personalities then in the eighties and seventies is even more. Like you had just nutcases that were absolute blasts to watch. You know, you had the, the Ty Domies and the Bob Roberts and, you know, and here in Philadelphia, the, the, uh, the Dave Browns, um, just guys who were just uh, so fun to watch, not only during the game, but had personalities out of the game. And that is something the NHL really, I feel like they should send every player to an improv class. So at the, after, after games, you don't just hear shit like, you know, um, you know, everything that Mike Yo says is, you know, it's frustrating and we're just going to try. Um, and, and the NBA is very good at this, where players actually speak out and, and do things. The NHL could use a dose of that. Yeah, some of the commercials they have on the NHL network where they force feed you Connor uh, McDavid or something, they're painful to watch. It, it's okay. like, jeez. And it's part of it is like I used to think Richard, some of the commercials he did here, were the same way. They were so bad. I remember they they had to like change the camera angle just to make it look somewhat different. But then if you like open up on Spit and Chicklets, they actually have a little bit of a personality. I, I it's I guess I don't think McDavid does. To be honest with you, but like I don't either. But like, what do you do? Like they just they're like you said, Dave. They're buttoned up. Like they just they, they you know they I don't know. It just comes with the territory. I guess I don't know. I, I don't. Know. Maybe we should go with Richards and just bring some cocaine back to the locker room. <laughs> 
I must have opened him up a little bit. There's no tear when you need him. I will say the Ovechkin Backstrom commercial, the Liberty Mutual commercial. It's good. Is, yeah, it's one of the best commercials I've seen in a long time from from a hockey planet. That's fantastic. And and he, Ovi's wife is great in that thing. Why, it's a good commercial. He, why is he always here for breakfast? <laughs> it is good. That's that's actually that's the best NHL commercial. When ESPN uh, first started airing hockey games back in the '90s, they did some really really great stuff. Uh, Craig McTavish had a great commercial about being the last player to not wear a helmet. And there was, there was personality. Brett Hole Brett Hole had a personality. When I used to meet guys uh, like NHL, I think it was 93, the NHL all-star game was here. And I got, I, I, I was privileged enough to just meet everybody, Chelios, Lemieux, Gretzky, and, I, and they're all hysterically funny. And the, the uh, older guys that they brought in, Marcel Dion, obviously Bobby Hull, I don't know if you want him around. He's kind of like, I don't know, hockey's Pete Rose. But uh, he, they all had, they're all really funny if you let them be funny. And it's it's such a shame that, God, the, the closest thing we've had to personality in the, in, in the Flyers hockey recently was, unfortunately, Jacob Voracek. I mean, at least, like, he would get a little cantankerous sometimes. Well, we had, uh, I think, one of my favorite things. He, he went after the one reporter – before calling him a weasel. And then yeah. most recently, Drysidle, I forget the name of the, the guy asking the question, but Drysidle, you know, handled it very, very professionally, I think, when he was getting called pissy and, and all that, all that stuff at the one interview. He's like, yeah, he's like, no, he's like, you know, I'm not going to comment on that. You go ahead, you write about it, you make your own opinion. He goes, why are you so pissy? He goes, I'm, I'm not pissy. Yeah, yo, you're being pissy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. I, I I think that kind of interaction is great. Uh, th- I mean, it, it's too bad Sam Carshidi got kind of sort of let go from the Philadelphia Inquirer because it's the only thing that ever got Giroux sort of fired up was when he <laughs> asked the question. Yeah. But I'd like I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that in a post game press conference. Like, go ahead, unload on a reporter. You know, if you're not going to unload on anybody in the ice, then you know, yell at a reporter for asking you know, a pretty rote question. We kind of just it, it, like. Uh, Unfortunately, like the NHL press, it sort of feeds into the banality of uh, <clears throat> the the players because they don't really ask anything pressing. They don't ask anything interesting. And you know, if you if you're not going to pose an interesting question, you're not going to really get an interesting answer. It's it's very unfortunate. It's true. Some of those I feel like are a waste of time. I like I used to watch everything. And uh, I could have went to the, today. I could have went down there, but I'd rather do this because they're going to answer all the same stuff. Yeah. And, you know, although I can almost barely hear them sometimes because they're so like, well, well, they're the monotone, blah, 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 blah. You know, and it's just, it's all, it's all verbatim from what they said the previous game. Yeah. Sometimes win or loss, it's the same, you know, and it's yeah. just, it, it's stupid. That's why, you know, you're right. Voracek was a good one because he he would come out of nowhere with some of his stuff. Like, it would, he, he, like you, you never thought that he was upset with someone, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, Voracek really hates that dude." <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's kind of fun. Absolutely. And if we're not if we're not going to win, then let's at least have some sparkling personalities. You know, harking back to the film Slapshot, like they sucked, but uh, they were certainly fun off the ice. And um, I don't know, like. Just come on and, and trash someone. What, what, what do you have to lose at this point? Like Zach McEwen is the yeah. best story the Flyers have this year, besides Carter Hart, of course. But like uh, that's sad. 
So let's let's start creating some stories that uh, aren't necessarily on the ice. No, absolutely, man. Like I, I completely agree. And plus, I just think that's a that's a problem like league wide. They have a hard time yeah. just being personable. Like I, I would love to see because. I think hockey players are so relatable, so like kind of like blue collar, like working kind of athletes, like the guys that you can kind of talk to, just like have a beer with. Is kind of how I feel like that would be. I mean, Zach, you probably know better than I could, but like I feel like those are what they, what they kind of are. I wish you would see more personality league wide. I don't care, you know, whether they're a rival, West Coast. Like I don't care. I just want to see some more, a little bit more uh, emotion, a little more enthusiasm out of these guys. Can I say that I would I would rather see Jack Jack. That fucking mustache is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see you as the face of the Flyers organization at, at the end of every game, especially a loss. Um, and, and almost like in a suit being like, fucking ask me something. Because I feel like, yeah, you're a lot more intimidating than uh, physically in terms of your face. Uh, and <laughs> then, you know, Giroux or McEwen or, or, or Van Dream's like for sure coming up and saying that, like, go ahead, ask me a question. Um, Straight out of Goodfellas. <laughs> Seriously, it's hard to derail, but I've been oh, wanting man. to see that the whole night. Him, Joe Pesci, and Ray Lawyer hanging out after the show. I, I'd love that. <laughs> My God. It's funny you brought up Slapshot because when I first got here and the game was getting going, it felt like the beginning of the movie. A third of the stadium was full, you know, yeah. like they were easily losing, looked terrible. You know, they had a very few chances and you just knew they were going to lose, just knew it. And you knew how bad the team they were playing going outside of McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. And I'm just like, but I know it's not going to end like the movie does. It's like, I get to feel the start of the movie, but it's going to, this is the, the movie is everything. And it's very depressing because at least there was like personality and there's something with that. And every, and you go on Twitter and it makes you even more depressed yeah. because fans, like you just brought up how McCune is like been a, a good story. Yeah. There's people hating on him, comparing him directly to, Somebody on, I think TK actually. And I it was like, lost. it just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like you got a guy on the fourth line. Why are you hating on him? What do you yeah. honestly expect from a guy like that? And when you're here, you're watching. You see, he's throwing a body around. He's do he out, he out Wilson, Tom Wilson the other night. You know, he like, did his best. You're right. Like, what do you expect from a guy like that? You, you're gonna give me his goals four on ice? Crap. Like, come on, man. Yeah, you know, analytic he, stuff for sure. Oh, I got it. That, that makes me sick in its own right. I'm almost glad, be happy when they move on from Mr. Line, and just so that debate can just be somebody else's problem. Because God forbid you ask a question and have a different take. Yeah, you, you know, it's just it just blows my mind. So, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's low, <laughs> it's slow right now. It really and, is. That's it's why really I would love to march in there and ask some real questions and you know throw my mustache around, but I can't. <laughs> well, you, I'll never you. be allowed back. <laughs> yeah. And what question could you really ask that at this point would be honestly answered? And who would you ask? Right. It to? That's, and just that's it. kind of the problem with the Flyers, too, is that Zach McEwen has become our nice story. If it's if it's your fourth liner who throws some fists sometimes, that can't that can't be like Dave Schultz was certainly a big part of the Flyers success, but they would have won without Dave Schultz and want to alert everybody. Uh, but they, they, but he was definitely like he embraced the culture and he was a great story. But he wasn't the big story. You had 
the stars, you know, you had Bernie Clarkie, you, you had Reggie, um, to a far lesser extent, the sometimes contributions of my father there, <clears throat> there was, there was like nice, there was other great stories when now all we can focus on is really like if you champion anybody's performance this season and you mention anyone, but McEwen and Hart, I think you're kind of obliviating about how good that player was like Atkinson hasn't necessarily been a d- disappointment, but he hasn't been a thrilling success either. I know he plays with he plays with more more heart than some of the other players, but and there's there's just no one to get excited about. So if anyone is is trashing you for getting excited about McEwen, then they just they're they're kind of the embodiment of what's missing in Flyers culture. He at least is doing something, something that is trying to spark his team to win. And everybody else uh, on most nights tonight being a great example. Jesus, I mean, it was one of those nights that. I don't think I can call anybody out for playing terribly, but nobody was memorable either. No, and they never are, except for in maybe on in against Washington McEwen for reasons we'd said already. And Hart, yeah, no, and other Hart, than that, Hart. yeah, unless a guy has a two goal game or whatever, you know, that's it's no. I th- that's why for me, I think the term untouchable gets thrown around way too easily with players. I feel like there shouldn't be that many untouchable players for me, and. One. If, for me, it's heart, and I know you might trade him, Zach. But no, I mean, I, I don't mean that. But yeah. it, it, it would be just for the good. Because do you ever feel this when he takes off his helmet? You know, we're we're older than him, I'm assuming, and he's so young, and you just get like this paternal feeling about him, like, oh, you poor guy, you little kid, you're out there doing your best, and all the adults around you are just failing you. Especially, definitely last year, I got that a lot because it, it showed in his play. Not so much this year, but yeah. last year, I was, I was, I was like, I'm one. I'm glad he already has a sports psychologist, psychiatrist, because he's going to need one regardless. And uh, this this season, I'm like, I'm glad that he's kind of playing past some of that, and you know, yeah, he's not falling yeah. to pieces, which shows his growth, you know, which shows that you know, what's Dave? I'm saying, break it down now while Hart's young. A rebuild up for when he's around 26, 27 years old, we can get rolling again. Because otherwise, Listen, I, they're going to waste his career just like the Didgeroos. Wait, I, I'm just not waiting seven, eight years. If they can do it in three, I'm, I'm in. Let's make so, let's make progressive moves. And honestly, I'm on full fade the 2022 drafts. Like tr- trade back four times and acquire more 2023 picks. Whatever, mm-hmm. any veterans we sell off at the trade deadline, only 2023. Get as many 2023 picks as we can get. Let us control that draft. I, like I'm okay with that if that's the plan. But I absolutely bad. don't. I, I don't want to sit down. Oh no, we're gonna draft wherever we are. We're gonna pick whatever we got. Let them develop, and then four to nine years later, we might compete. I don't want to do any of that. It's, it's, Is that's that not because of, do you not do you not believe in the the draft picking ability of of Chuck Fletcher or is? I, I believe in zero. I have zero faith in the player development of this franchise. Zero. Yeah. No, no, who like, you know what I mean? Giroux, Couturier, maybe like 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 Lindros. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. <laughs> We're going back to Lindros. Like, come on, like so. I believe no, I, zero that. If, if we have to build this team through veteran acquisitions, mostly cool, fine. The Rams just won a damn Super Bowl doing it. Like, you can build a team. 
through veteran acquisitions. Yes, now, just- now, Dave, I'm going to stop you. The Rams drafted a lot before they started adding to that team. Uh, Aaron Donald was a first-round pick. Wait, wait, they're the starting quarterback, their number two wide receiver, their star cornerback. There's a lot of people they brought in via trade, Cooper though. Cooper Cup was drafted. Cooper Cup, the Super Bowl Cooper MVP. Cooper Cup was a late-round draft pick, too. Yep, they added the Rams later. Yeah, but I get your – but I'm also – I'm on that same page, though. Like, you got to draft something of a core, and then you start doing that. And I, I that's what I thought the trajectory we were on was. But, a lot, like – and you bring up a good point with player development. Not a whole lot to ride home about. Yeah, so, like, like, that, like that's a you, problem. Yeah, if you want to – Jack, if you want to go ahead and, and tear it down and get all these draft picks, do you have any faith that they're going to actually develop any of them? Look, are we just are we just selling off veterans and making draft picks just for mediocre talent that we trade off for two second round picks later? Like my honest hope is that they they make a lot of changes up top as well. I mean, let's be real; they have this team's been bad for how long? Like, how do certain people still have their jobs? They have well, a lot of yeah. people that that you know they're injured. How many? How often these guys get injured? Like, did you see Derek Broussard's? Like, he st- plays a game a month. Like if you look at his last five games, it's December, January, and twice in February, and I think in November before that. Like it's it's insane. Like something's wrong here. Like this isn't. Did Kevin Hayes go under the knife three times in one calendar year? Like that was that something we discussed? Like that's that doesn't happen. That's yeah. something. There's, there's a lot wrong. There. Yeah, there's something weird there. Exactly. There's a lot wrong. Like yeah, it all stems from the top, obviously, and all over. And I, you know what? We'll see. Maybe Danny Bruhier, if he is the guy they bring in, hope I think we all got our fingers crossed because we like the guy. We don't honestly know what he's capable of, but anything's different at this point, I guess. So if he has a different vision, if he has an idea, and they can bring in different people and start to slowly change things, what else can you hope for? Because continuing to push the square the peg through the round hole like we have been for this year, last year, probably next year, I just see us we're not looking at playoffs to 2040s. At that point, yeah, <laughs> <really>. <laughs> yeah. Danny Breer is cl- clearly being groomed, and I had him on my show. Uh, and the first thing I said is, So, when are you going to become a GM? Because he's just he's just kind of got that persona of a GM, right? He's got, and but I, I say that only buying into the persona. I, I don't, I know nothing about his hockey knowledge. The main Mariners is if you're going to do training. I can't think of a better organization. The Maine Mariners has an amazing history, especially an amazing history when it comes to feeding the Flyers incredible talents. I mean, uh, during the 1980s, basically the Maine Mariners became the Philadelphia Flyers. And he's groomed that team to be something pretty great. And he's clearly around a lot, uh, a lot more than he was. And it's it's always fun yet nerve wracking to have an ex-Flyer back in the front office uh it's it's nice to have a familiar face but it's also like we've had clarky and paul holmgren was it that's all we've then, had what do you, what do you mean nerve-wracking it's all we've had Where yeah it was farwell future guest uh who oh, brought wow. us eric lindros um <laughs> but uh and then i think i know that clarky brought it brought it up uh, uh about a month or two ago ron hextall and I can't blame Ron Hextall enough for where the Flyers are now. And I, I know that that does no good. You can't change the past or anything. But it is still, when you understand the tra- trajectory of this team, Ron Hextall singularly ruined it. He is the one to blame more than anybody else. And then, then beyond that, there's Dave Scott. 
uh, who sucks also. But Ron Hextall is it's he's such a divisive figure because what better flyer as a flyer can you re- remember? Like just uh, I loved watching him his his ferocity, the balls to just shoot the puck at the net and take shots at um, you know some of the biggest enforcers in the league. But then as as a GM was just an absolute piece of shit, uh, both as a decision maker and as a human being. And it's really a shame that, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to an ex-flyer earlier today who was, he's just upset. It took Ed Snyder 50 years to build this culture and it took Ron Hexel about three months to destroy it. That was the biggest change when I look at, you know, how good the team was coming in and who took over and when this era of horrible Flyers hockey started. It really was Hextall that really kicked it off. And yeah. the culture was a big thing. The whole, the you know, cutting out the alumni and the food, weird things he had. But then, as you said, decision making as well. I thought he was going for like that true rebuild, which he really didn't do. Like, we didn't have a break-it-all-down rebuild. He traded Coburn and later Shen. Outside of that, he kept the team status quo, drew right through his prime, just really not get – never went out and, like, tried to stay competitive. I guess JVR was his biggest offseason. Remember, he signed Dale Weiss to a four-year deal, for God's sake. Mm. Like, he never really added to the team to win now. It was just to get to the next stage of his rebuild, I guess. Like, I can't think of any first-round picks he added to his team to in addition to his own outside of the Coburn deal, which was, I thought a good deal, but that was again, one of his first moves. So yeah. I, you know, I, I bought into the Kool-Aid. I, I thought he was going to drift. Well, I, it seemed like they had the idea, right. And it just couldn't, couldn't pick one or the other. And we didn't, he didn't hit on what he needed to hit on, especially when he, let's be real. He shouldn't even been drafted number two overall. They were, they think they had the 13th overall pick or they sh- should have yeah, they they, kind of they... won the lottery and moved up. So it's not even like they bottomed yeah. out. You know, so it's just, and then they still get screwed, but it's just, he just didn't do anything right. And the more I think about it, the the destroying of the culture bothers me even more now because somehow it's still here and it's clearly still an issue and losing is just the mentality of this team now and they just can't get out of it. That's the biggest thing that bothers me. You mentioned the culture and the mindset when that kind of stuff sets in where losing becomes acceptable. Like it's hard to shake that. That's why you see in like NFL franchises like the Lions and the Browns. Like we wrap you referenced the tweet earlier. Like when you become that kind of franchise, you just can't seem to ever win or get past that hump. Like that's just who you become. And, yeah. and for the longest time, for, for my whole life, for most of the 32 years I was on this earth, the Flyers played to win every year. Say what you want to say what you want about Paul Holgram. I got it. Salary cap, hell, all that stuff. That Absolutely. man tried to win a cup every single year. That was I'm, his goal. He didn't I'm, care. He wanted the cup every single year. If he was, he, whatever he did, whether you thought it was misguided or not, he brought in the best person he thought to help them win that single year. He wanted to win. So, I, I mean, it, it's a shame that somehow, like, missing the playoffs became acceptable. Uh, losing seasons became acceptable. Losing shoes became that, that's just where we're at as a franchise, and that's one of the most frustrating things. Like, winning used to be the, the, the expectation. You were supposed to be one of those franchises that was there every year. 16 teams make the playoffs in this league, and we were supposed to be one of them every year. We, we were right up there with Detroit for the longest time. We were one of them guys. Every year, Flyers made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I had friends that would come up and talk to me. I, I, I barely watched regular season because I know they're going to be there in the playoffs. And, and that's just not what it is anymore. Like, so when that kind of stuff sets in, 
that's when a franchise can bottom out and, and you can end up sitting in the cellar for years, decades, because you have a mindset that losing's okay. Yeah. So you burn it all to the ground and get rid of all that mentality and start over. <laughs> <laughs> but a rebuild only only works if someone has a plan. That's true. That's I, I mean, otherwise it's just perennial tanking. Yeah. Like imagine yeah, well, the, then the you wind up like Edmonton and Buffalo. Yeah. So hey, maybe yeah, we have right. that vision. Maybe yeah. Bears got that vision and we wind up more like Chicago and LA and yeah. Pittsburgh, God forbid. I don't know. It could go either way, but you do have to have a plan. And maybe, maybe that is Briere's plan, but we know that they're not doing that next year regardless. So that's going to next year, this, this deadline. And then next year, the offseason, all that, that's uh that's going to show a lot. I would say this, that Briere has the full endorsement of people that I was surprised that I was surprised by. Uh, I, I think that he is seen as a very keen hockey mind. And I, I think with Briere, the thing that he had to learn with, with Maine and just being a GM is, um, and this was, uh, I did an interview with Clark and this is the hardest thing is going from player to coach is that as a player, whenever, when, if you get cut, you get traded, whatever, it always feels personal to, to go from that personal feeling to having the, the person in, uh, that has, has to then be the decision maker uh, and cut players, trade players, everything like that. That's a difficult transition to make. And Breer hasn't been out of the game that long. Like it's certainly less than Clark was. He went from captain to GM like in a year. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the transition that Breer has had to made, make. And But everyone seems to see his sharp hockey mind in terms of developing and scouting young talent. So that's at least one thing to be – uh, excited about, I suppose, if you want to just burn the whole thing to the ground and, and see a rebuild is I would certainly rather have Briere oversee it. Uh, I don't, I like, I, I don't like Chuck Fletcher, but I, I don't hate Chuck Fletcher. He's just sort of a mediocre placeholder, kind of like Mike Yo is. And uh, I, I don't, I don't, I think that he did the best that he could in the off season, but clearly none of that has really worked out. Uh, where Briere, I, I think that what would be great about him is that he would he would embrace a player like Morgan Frost or whenever he's healthy Wade Allison and and bring them up and make them make them part of the team a little bit faster than the organization is now for Cam York to still not be a full-time flyer at this point is absolutely ludicrous you know, Keith Yandel you got your goddamn streak uh let's get rid of you and, and let's let's start trying out our only top 75 prospect in Cam York like the, the fact that that's not happening is is kind of a joke. And I think that Danny Breer would would bring a little bit more um, better judgment about young players uh, than Chuck Fletcher is, having been a young player himself. You look, you, look, you look at Steve Eiserman. I mean, the, 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 there is a case to be made that ex-players can make really good GMs because they do embrace a culture. And I think Steve Eiserman is building something very, very special in Detroit. And certainly has built something, and then leaving it uh, in Tampa Bay, and I think Breer is kind of like one of those players that could 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 do the same. So, I am just doing my best to inject any sort of optimism into the next five years. Breer's <laughs> about all I got, you know. I, yeah. I, whatever they do, if he is everything we're hoping, then it's something. It, it's kind of, unfortunately, it's kind of like how I felt about Hexall about yeah. know, 2014 or so. 
But uh, well, only because he was a highly sought-after assistant GM. Like I remember they had to give him the job because other teams were knocking on the door. And Briere already got a you know was already on the list of candidates for Montreal. You know, so yeah. it's like hey, you know, if you see something, and I love Briere obviously. So and I don't think he'll be like Hextall. It's just gut feeling. I'd be absolutely blown away if he were like that to people. I think he's very no. well liked. I think he's a true person. I think we all do. Um, so, but, um, yeah, I mean, that, that is hope I, I need anything to, to cling to and that'll, that'll work. That'll definitely work. Cause they better start serving alcohol. I'll pay for it, but, um, <laughs> I can buy on coffee and water it, it, at these, these games. Uh, it, it's tough, but yeah. <laughs> you know what though? we got the trade deadline coming up. Can I look forward to that at least? It's the, I think it's the 21st. So it's, uh, it's 20, I think March, it's 23rd, 23rd, right, right yeah. now. So three weeks. I think it's going to be absolutely disappointing. I think people are going to expect way more than what's going to happen. I think Drew's going to end up staying. I think we're going to end up uh, selling off Keith Yandel with like a six-round pick and getting up in return. <laughs> that would be the saddest day ever. We're, we're going to sell JVR off with the second-round pick. There's going to be oh no major God. moves. <laughs> The second round pick for JVR? No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna trade JVR with the second round pick. Oh and yeah, nothing in return. Go yeah, no, no, we're gonna be paying people to get JVR. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes. Zach, I'm right. Zach, at some point, I'm gonna sit down and write a, 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 a trilogy about the JVR and the Philadelphia Flyers saga because I have to I have to break the whole thing down. I, it's it's the weirdest thing is I I with JVR is I what justified. I thought that there must have been one 40, 45 goal season. Nope. And it's not there. Like what? It, it, he's kind of, I, I, of all the signings, uh, that's the one. And you know, I'm not being original with this. Obviously there's a lot of JVR criticism, but I, I assumed there must have been some sort of previous play that justified $7 million. You know, you had, I remember a, a long time ago, like uh, Carlos Beltran had an amazing playoff series and and justified like a signing because he he had that one that one series or playoff. It, there's nothing there with JVR. It's the most confounding thing ever as a Flyers fan. Um, perennial thirty goal scorer for the Maple Leafs. Perennial. I think he did it he once, had, maybe twice. He had two. He had two. Yeah, he did twice. He did yes. it twice. Yeah, yeah. Both with Toronto. It just it felt like I think I we think all were okay. Twice. Well, I'm sorry. What was that? I don't. He hit thirty twice. I, Dave, double check that. I, I did, he did once, right? He definitely did once. At least once. Hold on. Okay. It, it felt like we kind of let it slide when it happened because we were so starved for them to do anything real and free agency and add to the team. And it almost felt like Hextall was just like, all right, I got to, I got to do something here. This right. guy's a former flyer. They're going to love it. It's going to help ticket sales, yada, yada. And yeah, it's a shame because I, I do like the guy, but Jesus, I mean, talk about getting nothing for your buck. Nothing. All right. 2013, 2014, 30 goals. Yeah. 2017, 2018, 36 goals. Oh yeah. That's not that was, he yeah. must've become a free agent after that. season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His second and his last season in Toronto, 36 <laughs> goals in his last season in Toronto. And then we signed them for 7 million a year. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of fly. Uh, yeah. That's not perennial. That's every yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's and, bookend. And, yeah. and for the record, before that, before he went to Toronto, in the three seasons he was in Philly, he combined for uh, 
47 goals total in three seasons. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is is just this is just life as a Flyers fan now. It is. It's just maybe embrace it for a little bit. Uh, I I feel, I feel like I was destined for this. I should have paid attention when I was seven years old, and the Legion of Doom was at their height in '97, and we were supposed to win the cup against the Red Wings, and then they swept us out. And I remember distinctly, I, we were at we were at a Flyers party watching one of the games, and the uh, Red Wings score on our power play. It's a shorthanded goal. And my aunt turns to me, a seven-year-old, and goes, can they do that? And I feel like that set the whole tone for my whole life as a Flyer fan. My, so my dad played for the, both the Flyers and the Penguins. And I, I, so I, I had a choice to make. So I, I, was, uh, I, I grew up kind of a Penguins fan, I'll admit. And then at some point I was like, ah, you know, Flyers is where – my heart is, I, you know, I live in South Jersey when everything worst decision I ever made in my life. <laughs> oh my God. Cause like I can, I can justifiably defend myself as a Penguins fan, um, but decided to go with the Flyers. Uh, it was the day I, it was the day actually that Lindros got traded. Uh, I was like, okay, well, I'll just be a Flyers fan. That's, I've chosen my team. I still love Mario, but I'm a Flyers fan. God damn. I swear. Life has not worked out since then. I no. should have just stuck with Pittsburgh. I'm so sorry, Zach. I feel I know. <laughs> it's, it's funny when they t- when your team wins like the you know the championship, and I've only really experienced it like twice. And uh, but it's not neither have been my sport. Like hockey's my sport. Like I right. I was going to games at, like two years old, like before Lindros was even on the team, even, and I barely remember him, but still, and to go through what we're going through. God, knock on wood, God forbid, when it does happen, I'll understand fans that cry. <laughs> like, I, I will. Oh my I will God, yeah. honestly I understand it's here. It's like, it, it is to see the lowest of the low. Because for a while, we were always good. Now to see this, to eventually come back, hopefully, I, I get it. Like, yeah, you know, before I didn't really get it. And I'm like, okay, it's sports. I, I'm happy. But now I get it. I absolutely get it. It's ridiculous. I, that, it's kind of the beauty. That is the beauty of sports, right? Is that it can. Uh, I, I happen to live in Kansas City the year the Royals won back in uh, 2015, and everything else divides us, right? And sports is silly and stupid, and sports talk radio is ludicrous, and this show is stupid and great. But it's like it, but nothing brings us together like sports does. And I remember that year because I didn't experience. Obviously, I wasn't I wasn't born yet. The, the Flyers parade where three million, however many people came out and really like supported this team at the parade, uh, the Flyers, the Broad Street Bullies. But I saw it in Kansas City and it's the, there's nothing more beautiful than a, a championship team and what it can do. Like as soon if I'm wearing this hat the day that the Flyers won the Stanley Cup and I see someone else winning or wearing that hat, uh, we're instant friends. And that's the way it was in Kansas City. And I had no... <laughs> No affiliation with Royals team whatsoever, but just to see everybody come together, it's it is something that should move you to tears because it's 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 beyond the sport. It's just it's something that um, just unites people that in a way that no one there's no piece of legislation or nor no other thing that can bring people together. 
uh, the way that sports can sports can. And I, I get, I totally get tears. I don't make fun of anybody for crying when their team wins. I, I think that it's absolutely justified and wonderful. I think the Royals were a great example because they were a bad team for a long time as well, like perennial mm-hmm. dra- drafting at the top and, you know, watching their stars go to other teams when they have one or two, like Zach Rinke or whoever. You right. Know, like, and then to finally to get it. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Except for I think that they – I don't know how used they are to losing where we're <laughs> kind of not. And this, this is kind of like – They got kind of used to it, yeah. Yeah, they kind of so. got – you know. It, so, yeah, no, it's, I think that's a perfect example. And they, and yeah. they beat the Mets. They kept the Mets from winning the World Series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, had, I had two very different experiences 10 years apart. So, Jack, you mentioned the two times we got to celebrate. 2008 with the Phillies. Great. I was at Temple University. I ran down Broad Street as an 18-year-old kid, lose my mind. I watched people get tased. They were climbing on cars, pulling off bands <laughs> on blood. Books. Absolutely insane. We're out to like nine in the morning. Like, like it, it was nuts out there. It was one of, one of my greatest memories. Ten years later, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and people went nuts, I was deployed at the time in Guantanamo Bay. Uh, oh, God. And I actually was with who is now my wife. I met her down there. She's in a separate unit, right? But I ended up getting demoted the night that the Eagles won the Super Bowl because I violated three different drinking bans. (laughs) Three? (laughs) Three? (laughs) Three? That's awesome. Yeah. All I did was cut class. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So when the when the Flyers do win the Stanley Cup, I will be crying regardless of my location. <laughs> Can I just say that is honestly that should be you should tell the Eagles that story. Uh, <laughs> that is a great Philadelphia story. I know it happened in Guantanamo Bay, but demoted at Guantanamo was a screenplay I'd like to work on. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. My wife almost broke my like. It's, I, we were just talking at that time. She almost broke up with me that same night too. She's like, "I've never seen this part of you. Like, what is going on?" <laughs> she, she's like, "This is so crazy to me right now. I've been playing it so cool for months." And she come yeah. over to watch the game with us. And I'm losing my fucking mind. <laughs> me and my buddy were doing like Stone Cold Steve Austin like beard chugs and stuff. Oh my I love God. it. Uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, if the Flyers ever win again, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have tears, and then, uh, <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I can't imagine the, I, I, the, the experience the city that we'll go through, but oh, yeah. again, we're, we're talking, we're, we're talking nonsense right now. We're talking rainbows oh, yeah. and unicorns. Yeah, we're. I, I, I mean, how far retired. away from you from Stanley Cup? Well, Zach, listen, we're, we're pushing up on the 55 minute mark, getting close to the hour, so you're the honored guest tonight, man. So I'll tell you what, the floor is yours. Anything you want to promote, anything you want to hype up, anything hockey-related, not hockey-related, it's all yours right now. Go ahead. All right. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, so uh, happy to join the High and Wide Network. Um, I, I, I took a, a couple-month respite from the podcast, but it's been really, really successful. Uh, my dad used to play hockey is what it's called. Uh, please check out previous episodes. I've got... Uh, Bernie Perrant, Bobby Clark, and then outside the Flyers organization, uh, Grant Fuhr. Willie O'Ree was one of my favorite episodes that I've ever done. Uh, first uh, black uh, hockey player to ever play was you know, uh, amazing to talk to him. But it's, it's a Flyers-centric podcast, but 
Uh, I also talk to people outside of the Flyers universe, and it's it's been a blast. I, I started it basically just to get my dad to call his old teammates that he hadn't talked to for a while, and uh, <laughs> and then awesome. it's it started. Yeah, and then it kind of uh, my dad's been a guest, but don't download that, that episode first. <laughs> father and son just bickering at each other <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um yeah i'm great and, and it's it's coming back very soon uh, really get great guests um coming up it's it's um it's i i feel like i i have a, a somewhat unique perspective but the the best thing is that my perspective doesn't matter it's the perspective of the players i try to draw the stories out of them as best as i can and every hockey player that comes on the show has a, a really great story and um, I'd, I'd like to share that. And because I think the NHL alumnus is a tremendous, or alumni is a tremendous organization. And I think ex NHL players are just the best guys that I've ever known in my life. And, uh, being able to share their stories has been an honor. So, uh, glad to have high and wide, uh, on board with me. And, uh, it also gives me opportunity to talk to, uh, you guys. It's, it's really fun because I love talking hockey. There's nothing better. No, we love it, Zach. Thanks so much, man. We're so happy to have you, man. Jack, Thanks, man. No problem. Jack, you read the game, man. Uh, anything else you got to add tonight? What do you got to say besides that you want to burn it down and rebuild? <laughs> I'm here, so I'll get. I'll start the groundwork, all right? <laughs> so if you hear any rumors? Yes, it was me. But, no, I just want to double down with uh, my dad used to play hockey. The, whenever I see who, what guests you have on, and I'm always blown away. It's absolutely amazing. I love your show. Like, it's great. Uh, so I'm so happy. That it's We signed our uh, – our best act, our not. I was going to say our JVR, but that would have been really wrong. Uh, <laughs> our, uh, Dude, we just Jeez, uh, man, come we're on. the honeymoon phase. Uh, no, I, we got our free agent acquisition, and we're very happy with that. <laughs> so, yeah, it was awesome. This was fun, guys. Yeah, really good time. This is a, this is a blast for uh, for Zach Kinderchuk, for Jack. I'm the real Delco Dave. Hi, wide fam. You guys have a great night. Thanks for hanging out with us. <laughs>